Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. I am your host, Gene Ross, and joining the podcast for the second week in a row, this time in place of Josh Julie, is once again Matt Tamanini, my fellow managing editor here at Land Grant Holy Land. Matt, you know, it'd be nicer if you were joining us on, on better circumstances, but it's good to have you here nonetheless. I know. Between the two of you guys, I'm glad we're doing this remotely and I don't have to share the same space as you because uh, that could be very dangerous right now. Yes, I, I promise I did not give Josh or his uh, his family COVID from multiple states away, but we are having our uh, our own land-grant Holy Land uh, kind of COVID issues this these past couple of weeks, so we wish Josh and his family well. I am currently, you know, I, I'm pretty recovered as, as, as things go, but I'm still a little little stuffy, nothing to, to write home about. I was pretty down bad last week, but we are, we're good to go this week and I'm, I'm glad to be back on the podcast. Lots of stuff to talk about. A pretty pretty busy offseason for Ohio State thus far. And we're, all, we're not even at the end of January yet. So obviously a lot of movement between players and staff, personnel, all that kind of stuff. Some some new faces coming in, some old faces going, and some old faces returning. I know you and Josh last week discussed a lot about Jim Knowles and Justin Fry. Uh, since that time, there have been you know multiple other additions to this Ohio State staff and multiple other guys that have, have gone another way. So, you know, just just kind of my two cents on those two guys. Obviously, you know, Josh and I have talked a little bit about Jim Knowles at this point. We're both very excited for his addition. And then, of course, Justin Fry taking over for Greg Sudrawa. We knew that was a move that kind of kind of had to happen. Greg Sudrawa had his fair share of misses in recruiting. And then, obviously, you know, last season's four-tackle four offensive line was not the greatest. And, and clearly, there needed to be change there at that position group. So I'm very happy with both of those hires. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm you know, I'm excited for what Justin Fry is going to bring to the table Obviously, a little bit of a step up for him going from UCLA to OSU, but nonetheless, he seems like a guy that Ryan Day trusts. He seems like a guy that has some good experience, so I'm excited for that. But the two big additions that have happened since that time, really in the last week and a half, have been the addition of Perry Eliano and Tim Walton to the defense. Uh, We'll start with with Perry Eliano here, 43-year-old uh, defensive backs coach. He's coming in as Ohio State safeties coach. Spent the last two seasons at Cincinnati. Uh, been credited with the development of guys like Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner. Bryant obviously won the Thorpe Award, and Gardner was a consensus All-American. The Bearcats finished second in the nation in pass defense. So a, a lot of good stuff for, from Eliano at Cincinnati. A lot that he's bringing to the table. A pretty exciting hire for Ohio State as they try to figure out the back end of their defense. And a guy that, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that Ryan Day is going kind of outside of his his branches. He doesn't really have any personal connections to Eliano, but obviously a guy that, you know, is coaching in Ohio. He's also coached at, at Bowling Green, so he has ties to a lot of places in Ohio. That could probably help in recruiting. Uh, but the on-field product speaks for itself, and I'm excited to see what Eliano could bring to Ohio State secondary. I'm a little concerned. So here's the reason I'm concerned. When you factor in Walton, this is now the second former Urban Meyer assistant that uh, that Ryan Day has hired this offseason. Between Justin Fry, who's a former GA at Florida, and now, I'm sorry, I can't even continue the bit because it's just, it's too much. We've talked about, um, you know, in Land Grant and our Slack and a lot of other people of breaking off from the Urban Meyer tree. So many of the hires that Ryan Day made when he became the head coach full-time were leftovers from the staff. He brought back Kerry Combs eventually, um, who's a former, you know, Urban Meyer assistant. Having Justin Fry, who was a GA for like one season under Urban, that doesn't count. Um, Tim Walton was an assistant under Urban um, at Jacksonville this past year, but he predates him uh, in Jacksonville. And he might have even coached under him in Bowling Green. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, But these these guys are outside of who I think would normally be in the coaching searches based off of the last eight years of hires for assistant coaches that Ohio State's had. So I'm very excited about all of these guys. I think you're always excited about new guys when they're coming in to replace 
guys who didn't do a great job. Um, a lot there's a lot of adjustments that are going to be ha- going to have to be had. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I think this is a, a really good start. And I wrote extensively about the changes that I thought Ryan Day needed to make. He hasn't made all of the ones that I thought he needed to make, but he's made a lot of them. And I'm really encouraged by the ones that he has. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I want to get more on Tim Walton in a little bit, but just but just more on Eliano here. He's he's going into his 20th yeah. season as, as a full-time assistant. <laughs> he spent time all over the place, Central Arkansas, Sam Houston, UTSA, Bowling Green, New Mexico, and then obviously the last two years at Cincinnati. And while none of those jobs have quite the the level that Ohio State has had, obviously, you know, Cincinnati was the first group of five team to make the playoffs this past year. Their defense was really, really good, especially on the back end with those those two guys in Bryant and Gardner. I'm a little confused why he's coming to Ohio State to coach safeties rather than corners because it seems like that's really his bread and butter. But obviously both areas that are, are pretty big needs of uh, improvement at Ohio State on that defense. And while Jim Knowles is going to be the orchestrator of that side of the ball and he has a lot of say on what the linebackers do, guys like Walton and Eliano are going to have a big hand in the the corners, and as we were talking about a little bit in our in our Langren Holland Slack group earlier today, it's a it's a pretty big important off season for these corners and, and getting these guys coached up because there's a lot of young talent back there. Obviously, Denzel Burke will be returning as the team's top corner. He was a freshman last year. You have a lot of guys that are either redshirt freshmen or sophomores, and and you know J.K. Johnson, Jordan Hancock, a couple of guys that are coming in like Sonny Styles, a freshman, five star safety. So there's a lot of young talent in that secondary. And with some really good on-field coaching, which these guys seem to bring with them, it could be, you know, we could see a lot of improvement on the back end for Ohio State. And we've been waiting for, you know, the return of DBU pretty much since, you know, guys like Denzel Ward and Marcus Lattimore left. It's been a good two, three, four years now where Ohio State secondary has been subpar at best. And while I think that, you know, Chase Young was able to hide some of those issues in 2017, I think this is a, an issue that has dated back to pretty much 2017. And, you know, it, it'll be good to see that there's, there's going to be new faces on the staff to coach these guys up, guys with some pretty proven on-field talent. I'm really excited for Eliano to get his hands on some of those young corners and safeties. And I think that he, as well as Walton, are going to be really important hires this offseason. And I'm excited to see Ohio State's defense kind of return to the national prominence we were used to for so long and have been without now for really a couple of seasons. Yeah, I think it's interesting what you're talking about with with Eliano coming in as the safeties coach. Obviously, somebody who is coached as long as he has um in college football, he's done a a ton of stuff. But when you hear that name coming off of a season where he coached the Thorpe Award winner and Kobe Bryant, obviously Sauce Gardner is, I mean, arguably, not, probably not even arguably, he's he's better. He's going to go higher in the NFL draft. I think I saw Mel Kuyper Jr. put out his um, uh, his latest mock draft just on Wednesday, the day we're recording, and uh, he's got him 12th, going 12th overall. So it do, it would make sense to have him stick with the corners. But the one thing I will say is we've heard so much about Jim Knowles' defense being so uh, so safety heavy uh, that they could run out as many as five safeties at a time. So you would think that you would want the guy who has you know some sort of experience co- coaching safeties handling that responsibility for Knowles, but maybe this is just a vote of confidence in how good of a technician and a coach um, Perry Eliano is um, that Knowles thought that he could make that transition over um, over to that uh, to that position. He what's interesting though is I kind of assumed that he would be the head dog in the in the secondary, but then when they bring in Tim Walton, Tim Walton gets assigned the secondary coach's position. He's also doing cornerbacks. He's making a quarter of a million dollars more than Perry Eliano is. Now, granted, um, Tim Walton is a former NFL defensive coordinator. He's an Ohio State alum. He's an Ohio State former captain, Big Ten champ. Um, 
So, you know, that kind of plays with some of those things. But I, like you, was a little surprised that Eliana was going to be the safeties coach. But I just assumed that that was a, a, a really nice sign of the respect that Knowles had for him as a coach um, by putting him in that position in the defensive secondary. Yeah, in terms of like NFL draft stuff, I've, been, I've been seeing Sauce Gardner pretty much as the, the 1A and 1B with Derek Stingley from LSU. So not just because he plays Cincinnati doesn't mean that, you know, he's he's not a deserving or, or an NFL caliber player. He's a very, very good corner. I'm pretty sure he like hasn't statistically been like credited with allowing a touchdown since high school. So really, really good player, obviously under Eliana Tulich. Yeah, no, it, just a ridiculous stat. But yeah, Tim Walton's going to come in as, as the, the secondary coach, 50 years old, spent the last decade in the NFL, most recently with the Jaguars. He's got 25 years of total coaching experience. He spent time at Bowling Green, Memphis, Syracuse, LSU, and Miami. He was on Nick Saban's BCS title staff at LSU. Um, he coached up Corey Webster, who's a two-time Super Bowl champ with the Giants, so shout out to him. Uh, he's also been, he spent time with Pro Bowlers. <laughs> Always like, got to take it home. Always got to take it home to the Giants. Got to bring it home. I don't have much these days, so I got to go back to my back to my roots of my two Super Bowls I had uh, way, way back. But nonetheless, he spent time with Pro Bowlers like Dominique rogers Camardi, Janoris Jenkins, a little bit with Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey has spoken very highly of Tim Walton. Like you said, he played cornerback at Ohio State back in the early 90s. Uh, but I think he's a bit more of a wild card than Eliano. You know, he's kind of bounced around the NFL a little bit, and he's a guy that hasn't been in the college ranks for quite some time, so there's obviously going to be questions there about his recruiting chops. I think the same questions are, are there for Eliano because he hasn't, you know, he really recruited a lot of these guys that he's coached up, but he's been a very good developer of talent. So I think recruiting is going to be really important for both of these guys. You know, I saw Josh wrote a, a pretty good piece uh, earlier this week. You should guys check it out yeah. um, about, you know, these guys and their in the recruiting game. And, you know, obviously they're, they're proven quantities on the field, but, you know, Recruiting college football, especially at a place like Ohio State, is incredibly important. It's incredibly difficult, and it, it's a thing that you know it's it's really the lifeblood of the program. So I'm not I'm not super worried about these guys on the field. I do think that Eliano and Walton are going to kind of work in tandem with both safeties and corners. I think that's why that you know Eliano is officially listed as the safeties guy, but I imagine he'll at least have some hand in helping to develop the corners as well. So I think having those two guys back there. And then Knowles in charge of the linebackers with, you know, obviously Larry Johnson up front, I think is a really good uh, setup for this for this defense. I obviously brought in a bunch of assistants, which we'll also get to in a little bit. But I, I like the layout of this defense. The only issue, like we said, is, is recruiting. And I, I think that, you know, with the way Ohio State's been doing things, you know, after one year, if these guys can prove themselves on the field and bring Ohio State to, you know, we're not even asking for top 10 defenses at this point. I'd take top 50, you know. Top half. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Ohio State's been in the hundreds the last couple of years. It's been really, really bad. Um so if they could just make them competent back there with the way Ohio State's offense is probably going to look with Stroud, Jack Smith, and Jigba, and Trey Henderson coming back, I think that the you know the, the on-field product will speak for itself and the recruiting will come with it as well as some of the, the NIL stuff that Ohio State's working on will also help as well. So I'm not not super worried about it, but it is a bit more of a wild card than the on-field product. I'm, I'm excited for what these guys are going to bring on the field for sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously they seem like they have all of the credentials to completely blow up this defense in a good way. So I'm very happy about all of that. I am not super worried about the recruiting because let's be honest, just having the Blanco on your, you know, polo shirt or your pullover or whatever you're wearing on these home visits, that's going to get you in the door for most people. And it's going to land you really good blue chip talent, assuming you're not a complete and utter moron, which I can't imagine that Ryan Day hired a ton of complete and utter morons uh, to be on his staff this time around. He has in the past. But, you know, I, so I think that all of these guys with their resumes, with their track records, being able to point to um, what they've done uh, in their various stops throughout their career, whether that's Eliano, uh, Walton, Knowles, who 
let's be honest, I don't think Knowles is going to do a whole lot of recruiting. Um, but Fry and, and and everybody else, they're going to be able to go in there because they're Ohio State coaches. They're going to be able to say, look at my track record. Here's what I've done. Eliano can say, uh, I was the secondary coach or cornerbacks coach or whatever at Cincinnati last year. We made the playoffs. We had the number two passing defense in the country. Had, you know, Gardner and Bryant and all this stuff. That's going to get him to be a finalist for just about any player he wants. Same thing with Walton. I'm a former Buckeye. I coached in the NFL. I have a national championship ring. I worked for I worked for Saban. That's going to get him to be a finalist for just about anybody you want. So I, I'm not worried about recruiting because I think Ohio State only has to battle a couple other schools and for really for talent. You know, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. Um, you know, throw in the occasional LSUs and Texas A&Ms and now USC's perhaps. But for the most part, they're in rarefied air as it is. And I don't see that changing much. The closing, sure, that could change. But I, I don't see any reason to be worried about these guys beyond the fact that, like in Josh's article, they're either taking a step up in, in the level that they're recruiting with like Eliano and even Fry um, and and even Knowles to that regard um, or Walton, who's just kind of been out of the college game for a while. But I, I'm really not worried about that just because I feel like Ohio State does a lot of the heavy lifting just on name reputation alone when it comes to recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. And just in terms of kind of geographic stuff these guys bring, you know, Perry Aliano is a Texas native. Ohio State's obviously done very well recruiting in the state of Texas. And while that might get a little harder with some of the NIL stuff that, you know, the Longhorns and Texas A&M are doing, you know, Ohio State's done quite well for themselves in the state of Texas. Um, obviously, he has the, the Ohio ties between Bowling Green and Cincinnati. So those are two good places to have. And then Walton coaching in, in Jacksonville. You know, he's he's probably got some Florida ties down there. Obviously, coached yeah, at Eliano yeah. did a lot. Uh, Eliano did a lot of really good recruiting in Florida when he was a Cincinnati as well so and then obviously fry has all the connections in california too yeah so you're bringing in guys from these talent rich areas it's always good to have so i'm not you know like you said if you're if you come into a to them coming to high school with the ohio state logo on your chest you're probably going to do pretty well for yourself regardless but you know if these guys could prove themselves on the field you know these guys could go into a high school and really just sell that ohio state's been a competent defense away from a national title in each of the last two seasons you know the, the offense isn't going to slow down anytime soon ryan day's offenses have been high flying since he's been in columbus you know all the talent they have returning across the board on that offense between the offensive line, the wide receivers, the running backs, the quarterbacks. It's all great. So if you could just go into these high schools and sell some of these top defensive recruits that, hey, you know, you could be the, the, the turning point that Ohio State needs to kind of to get hit that next level and win a national title. I think that all kind of does it for itself, like you said. And I'm not super worried about uh, the recruiting aspect, but I am excited to see that, you know, Ohio State's defense going back to, we're not, we're, you know, silver bullets aside, we, we're just asking for competency out here. I need, you know, I, I need that Michigan to not be able to run up the middle 40 times and get a first down every single time. It's wild. Let me ask you this question. How many years do you think it takes, assuming things go as well as legitimately conceivably possible? Now, not pie in the sky. Oh, they're going to be number one defense in the country in 2022. But how long do you think it takes to get this defense as currently constructed with the players and talent that they already have or are coming to Ohio State? How long do you think it gets back to where Ohio State is a top 20 top 10 defense uh, in the country, if that's even possible, given the offense uh, that they run? Are they just they score so much that they're the defense is going to be on the field longer? So their numbers are going to aren't going to look as good. How long does it take to get Ohio State back to a point where we can be like, really, really proud of the product that they put out on the defensive side. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the offense kind of dictating the defensive numbers, I think that playing in the Big Ten helps them a lot there. You know, there aren't a lot of 
uh, high power passing offense is the Big Ten outside of Ohio State themselves, and then the occasional you know Purdue. Uh, even Michigan, you know, they had a good offense, but they were a, a heavy run offense. So I think that, you know, the defense being on the field more because the offense is so good isn't as big of a problem when you play in a, a conference like the Big Ten. But, you know, I, I think that with the talent they have, they're obviously lacking in a few areas, but they're bringing in some guys to really help out. You know, we, we saw linebackers struggle this last year. Obviously, they're bringing in, you know, C.J. Hicks, Gabe Powers. J- Jim Knowles has, has done really well with linebackers. So that, that area is hopefully going to be improved next year. The corners has a bunch of unproven talent out there, but now you have two coaches who are really good in the secondary play. Plus, you're bringing in a five-star guy like Sonny Styles to help out back there. And you'll have Josh Proctor back from his injury. So I think that the pieces are there. I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State has, you know, I'm not asking for a lot here. Like I'm saying, a top 60 defense, hopefully, this this upcoming season, if everything goes according to plan. And then once you see kind of a proof of concept, maybe they could start getting back into the top 25, top 20 defenses in the years to come. I don't, you know, I'm not expecting Ohio State to come out here and be, be Georgia next season, but I am. I'm, I'm expecting to see pretty significant improvement next year because I do think that there is a lot of talent across the field. You know, obviously they brought in that kid McAllister from Oklahoma State as well, top out on the back end of the defense. So I think that there's a lot of PC here. Ohio State's always going to have the talent. And when you have, you know, when you have this many four and five stars on the roster, it's hard to be as bad as they've been these past couple of years. So I think with, with competent coaching, it shouldn't be that hard to just be decent, especially, like I said, you know, playing in the Big Ten, you got a lot of teams where if you could just stop the run, you'll, you'll be more than fine. So I think, you know, with Jim Knowles' Leo position, with a lot of stuff they could do with the linebackers, with some of the guys they've brought in, both through their transfers and recruiting and some of the guys that were on the bench this past season, I think that there's certainly room for improvement this upcoming season. And then once you have proof of concept, then you'll start landing more, more and more of those four and five star guys on the defensive side of the ball to help out as well. So I don't think they're that far away, but like I, I mean, we haven't we haven't seen it yet. We don't know what it's all going to look like. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of new faces to yeah. to enter that room, both in coaching and personnel wise. So I'm I'm very interested in it. I don't think you know I I don't think Ohio State will be a top 25 defense next year, but as long as they're you know if they're top 50, top 60, but the way that their offense goes, I think that could be enough to 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 win them some games next year for sure. If they're top 50 or top 60, like you said, they win the national title. I mean, obviously, who knows what the hell happens. But if you've got C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, Emeka Egbuka, Marvin Harrison Jr., um, you know, and then Jaden Ballard and all these other guys uh, in the passing game, and then you've got Trevion Henderson, I guess Mayan Williams um, uh, and and Evan Pryor still uh, there as well. Like, they will win the national title if they're a top 50 defense. That's Mark it down here. I'm saying this. On January 19th at 2.48 p.m. in an episode that will be posted on January 20th, if Ohio State is a top 50 defense in 2022, they win the national title. Done. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in for that. I mean, like, like if, we've got, if Ohio State would have had a top 50 defense this year, they definitely would have at least made the playoffs. They wouldn't have lost that game to Oregon if they could figure out how to just stop a run to the boundary that they did like four times for a touchdown. Um, I think that the, the CJ Stroud we saw at the end of the year was much different than the CJ Stroud we saw at the beginning of the year. I distinctly remember um, that miss totally. that miss throw to Garrett Wilson in the Oregon game that would have tied it up. I think he hits that 98 times out of 100 by the by the way he was playing at the end of the year. And like you said, you know all these players they have coming back between Jack Smith and Jigba, the young receivers. CJ Stroud is coming back with a vengeance. He's been left off of of top quarterback lists. He was he was lower in the Heisman voting than he thought, and then he put on a show in Pasadena. So I think he's coming back with a vengeance. He and Jack Smith and Jigba have that chemistry, and that kid is a special talent the wide receiver so like you said it just it isn't going to take much on defense to get the job done and I think that they with between the coaching staff they put together and the players they have I think they're more than capable of doing that but those aren't the only 
uh, coaching moves Ohio State has made. They made a couple of smaller moves. Uh, obviously, we talked about, you know, you guys talked about last week a little bit about Brian Hartline being promoted to passing game coordinator. They've also since promoted Tony Alford to run game coordinator. Um, in terms of the exiting guys, Kerry Combs has taken a job at Cincinnati, which seems like a, a really good fit for him. We wish him well there. Yeah, happy for Al him. Al Washington has taken the defensive line job at Notre Dame, which I think is also a better position for, for him. I don't think he was very great at, at those linebackers, and I think that defensive line may be where he's, he's better. And then in terms of the other additions at Ohio State, they brought in a number of defensive assistants. Uh, Jim Knowles brought over with him from Oklahoma State, Coy McFarland and Michael Hunter. Uh, Hunter was a grad assistant at Oklahoma State. He was an assistant defensive backs coach, a former corner himself. And then McFarland was a defensive quality control coach at Oklahoma State who specialized in linebackers. So, you know, two areas at Ohio That's State. That's the big one. Yeah, Ohio State needs to improve in both those areas. They brought in those guys to help. And then as well on defense, they added uh, Duke's co-defense coordinator, Matt Guerreri, as a as an assistant, he actually worked under Jim Knowles when he was a defense coordinator at Duke. Um, he helped develop a pair of All-American safeties when they were with the Blue Devils. So a lot of guys uh, coming in at the positions where Ohio State needs to improve the most, and we do love to see that. And I think that those are, you know, when you could add guys who have been, you know, co-DCs and all this other stuff as just assistants to your staff, I think that's really good to have. Analysts. Yeah. As analysts. Yeah, yeah. yeah, analysts and quality control guys. Who, which is the one that is coming from Oklahoma State who is also like the linebacker guru as well? Uh, Coy McFarland. Okay, so McFarland is a really big deal because he's coming in as a, as a quality con- control coach. What that means is is that he can coach guys. He's not an analyst. He can coach during practices. He cannot be one of the designated coaches on the sidelines during games, but it's really important that he is able to work with guys during practices because, as we've heard, Jim Knowles does things a little differently than most other coordinators and coaches. After, you know, the Saturday game, he will lock himself in his office on Sunday and Monday, come up with a game plan, smoke a bunch of stogies, not wear shoes, eat a bunch of vegan food. And then he will come out afterwards and kind of install the defense. That's where somebody like McFarlane, who's the quality control coach, can work on practices, is a linebacker guy. Um, He is going to be the one running, you know, the defensive drills for the linebackers when Knowles isn't around while he's in his little man cave, um, you know, drawing X's and O's on a, on a chalkboard and stuff. So that's a really big hire to have somebody who has worked with Knowles, who knows what Knowles expects, who does it the way that he wants it done. I think that's a, that's a sneaky big hire to get him to come from Stillwater to Columbus. And most people aren't going to know his name, but I think that's going to go a long way to making Ohio State's linebackers competent, even when their primary position coach is also the defensive coordinator who has kind of a split focus in what his responsibilities are during the week. Yeah, I, I picture Jim Knowles as the uh, the Charlie Damien from Always Sunny where he's got the board with Pepe Silvia and all the, the different dots and different lines drawn yeah. across it. As Jim Knowles designing his defense, he's been known as, as a mad scientist kind of guy, a, a guy that likes to play offense with his defense in a way and kind of be aggressive. And we, you know, those are all things that Ohio State has lacked the last couple of years, aggression on defense. And like you said, it's good to have, while, while Jim Knowles is cooking up his pot of, of scheme for that week, it's good to have guys on the staff that could that could step in and kind of coach up the guys that they have on the roster. And, you know, linebacker is especially going to be important because we don't really, you know, it's pretty unproven who those guys are going to be next year. We, we've seen a bunch of guys play. None of them, yeah, you know, the hell knows? yeah, none of them particularly good. I mean, Steel Chambers was probably the best guy out there, but he was obviously inconsistent in his first year as a linebacker. They're bringing in uh, 
Diamante Trainum from Arizona State, who also hasn't played much linebacker recently, is also a running back. Is Cade Stover going to play linebacker next year? I mean, he looked fairly decent in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, Cade Stover is going to be playing kicker at some point just because they're going to move him everywhere. Long uh, snapper. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy what they've done with him. Then you have guys like Tommy Eichenberg, uh, you know, Cody Simon, Court Williams, those guys that are kind of tweeners. They got a lot of guys there, but nobody that really has separated themselves from the pack. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with those linebackers. It's obviously going to be really important. Uh, but I wanted to touch on real quick these, you know, Tony Alford being run game coordinator, Brian Hartline promoted passing coordinator. Obviously, Ryan Day calls the plays. What exactly does Kevin Wilson do here? Dude, I, I don't know. I wrote the article, I think it was before the Rose Bowl, that I thought he needed to be one of the guys that was let go. Not because he's done necessarily anything poorly, but I just don't know what his responsibilities are. Um, I also think that Ohio State needed to get somebody to be the offensive coordinator who then um, would call plays because I don't think it's it's ever in the best interest of a team to have a head coach after their first few seasons calling plays. But like Kevin Wilson is not a huge recruiter, which is fine. Coordinators don't need to be. It should be the position coaches. Yeah, but he, he, is, um, he is technically the tight ends coach and Ohio State doesn't have any tight ends. Right, that's what I was getting to is like, the position that he's done, that he's been responsible for, hasn't been that good. I mean, Jeremy Ruckert was a really good pass-catching tight end, but they don't use uh, tight ends as pass catchers in the Ohio State offense. They use them as blockers, and Ruckert, as good as he was, and I think he's going to have a really good NFL career, he wasn't a great blocker. So, like, what are you doing? And then they've just kind of got nobody else behind him. Um, they've got Sideshow Bob jo- Joe Royer. They've got um, Geese Scott Jr. who's moved over there. Like, I don't know what he's doing. So I was of the opinion that he need to go, needed to go just to have something new and fresh in there and to take the load off of Ryan Day in terms of play calling. That is clearly not going to happen. But I don't know what he, why he's still there. I don't think he's done a bad job. I just don't know what job he has actually done. Yeah, that's really the problem. It's not that he's doing anything bad. It's just that it's not clear what exactly he is doing. Like he's not he's not coaching up the offensive line. He has no more tight ends on the roster to coach up. I'd be perfectly fine with Ohio State just phasing out the tight end position entirely and just throwing either a, a sixth offensive lineman out there when you want to run the ball or just go four wide with all these talented wide receivers. I don't really see the need. Screw that. Go five or six wide. Damn. Yeah, I don't I don't really see the need for Ohio State to have tight ends honestly on the roster uh, if you're just going to use them as additional blockers anyway especially now with with Jeremy Ruckert gone I mean G. Scott Jr. is a former wide receiver but I don't think he's going to be be your Jeremy Ruckert out there and if you're going to ask him to block he's a little bit you know he's he's a big dude but he's, he's pretty undersized for a tight end still because he was a wide receiver so I don't really I don't really know what's going on with the tight end position but as, as yeah. a larger thing I feel like you know having Kevin Wilson on as as an additional assistant you only have so many of those allotted to you and it, it really feels like a waste to continue having him on there and, yeah. like, and like we said it's not it's not really a slight on him or anything he's done it's just that he doesn't with the way that Ohio State plays offense his job is is kind of meaningless especially now that you have guys that are the coordinators of every other aspect of the offense itself yeah I mean like I'm sure he's very important in game planning because Ryan Day can't actually be the one doing all of the uh game planning because he's the head coach and he's the CEO and he has to do all those other things that was actually part of my argument as to why I thought he shouldn't be calling plays I thought it should be somebody who is able to focus the majority of their time on that responsibility who can keep up with innovations on offense and defense to kind of be ahead of the game, which I don't think you can do if you're the head coach. But is that enough to have, you know, Wilson as the coordinator, a run game coordinator, a pass game coordinator? And I I realize that those titles for Alford and Hartline are really just reasons to give them raises, and they just both deserve it tremendously. That is not... 
um, a knock on those guys, but it's just like, what are we doing? And like, I kind of, I'm honestly a little shocked that Wilson is still at Ohio state from his own choosing. Um, but then again, he's been a head coach. He's, he's not really getting a ton of interest there. There were rumors that Akron might be interested in him. So if I'm Kevin Wilson, why would I leave Ohio state unless I get a really good head coaching job? So I don't know. I mean, uh, Bill Landis from The Athletic put out this great tweet. Ohio State has an offensive coordinator, a passing game coordinator, a run game coordinator, an associate head coach for offense, and a head coach who actually calls the offensive plays. Um, And they have an assistant head coach for offense, which is what Tony Alford's uh, title was uh, last season. So I don't know. It's all silly. The titles don't mean anything. But I I just wish there was a – I wish there wasn't a coach on the staff who you just have to be like – shrug emoji i don't know what he does uh that seems like a like a waste like you said yeah ho- hopefully uh bill landis is handling the the football retirement of tate martell well we, we wish him oh my wish him the best over there but yeah i mean if he's he, he's holding shiva it, over yeah, there I, i'm sure he is but i feel like the you know he it's a very dwight Schrute assistant to the regional manager job for uh for kevin <laughs> wilson in this offense and i don't quite understand it but there is you know i guess there's there's a lot of offseason left i guess a change still could be coming i, I would be kind of surprised at this point if there was yeah. something to happen but it, it's still on the table i guess talked a lot about coaches. What about the actual players on the field? Ohio State got mostly good news this offseason from the guys that, you know, between NFL decisions and the like, the the, the clear guys that, you know, the, the Garrett Wilsons and the Chris Olaves and the, the NPFs, the, the guys that you knew were leaving or definitely going to the NFL had gone to the NFL. But a couple of guys that were on the fence have decided to return. Uh, the first of which, and maybe, you know, the most potentially important of the bunch is, is Zach Harrison. Uh, Matt, what hard are your disagree. Yeah, hard, yeah, hard yeah. disagree so on who the most important one let's, is. Let's get your take on Zach Harrison because this is a kid okay, that was a, a former five-star recruit in the 2019 class. He was the number 12 overall player, number two strong side defensive end, and he, he obviously hasn't reached his full potential in Columbus. He's been, to his credit, he's been much better in run support than in the pass rushing game. But you know, there's a, there's been a lot of discussion of him potentially working in, in Jim Knowles' Leo spot, which is basically a hybrid stand-up defensive end that could drop back into a linebacker. That's a potentially Good fit for Harrison's athleticism. I'm more interested in him potentially sliding inside to defensive tackle. Um, yes, he's listed at six foot six, two seventy two. So he's not as thick as some of those boys in the in the middle, but he's been good in run stopping. He's very athletic. He's still a, a big dude by by any standard. So I, I think that you know a defensive line consisting of JT Tuimaloa, Tyleek Williams, Zach Harrison, and Jack Sawyer is very enticing to me. You know, obviously they still have guys like Teron Vincent, Michael Hall, and a couple other guys at defensive tackle that are good options. But I am intrigued by Zach Harrison because it's, you know, he's going into year four now. Uh, if he hasn't made the jump yet, I'd be surprised if he is. You know, the, the defensive line coach is still going to be Larry Johnson. I don't think it's his fault that Zach Harrison hasn't quite plan- panned out. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it's good to have another body out there. It's good to have another five-star out there. But he just hasn't he hasn't been that guy in Columbus. And if he could be that guy next year, it'd be great. But I, I don't think it's coming if it hasn't already. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't expect him to ever live up to the expectations that you had for him coming in on the heels of the Bosa's and Chase Young. He's not going to be that guy. But I do think that a change in um, perspective as to how he is used can really exploit his athleticism. He's still, you know, I don't remember the exact numbers you said, 6'6", 275 or whatever he is. Um, he is still a guy who has great athleticism, who has shown well. It's not like he's been terrible. Um, I don't think he's been bad at all, actually. I mean, there's been moments when he's been bad, but overall, um, you know, he's, he's he had six tackles for loss this year. 
Um, you know, two sacks, not great numbers, but, you know, he forced a fumble. He's been good. So I think if they kind of change the perspective of how they use him, whether that's moving him inside to kind of play a hybrid tackle and or to that Leo position or just in general of Knowles coming in with a more aggressive defense, I think that helps him a lot. I, like I said, I don't expect him to ever reach the, the Bosa Young plateau that a lot of us anticipated him um, reaching in 2019 when he came in. But the way that Larry Johnson rotates guys on the defensive line, um, and I'm assuming that will stay the same even with Knowles in charge, getting him on this field at the same time with uh, JTT and Jack Sawyer and and Mike Hall and some of these other young guys, I think is a good thing. I, you know, would I have been upset if he left? No, I probably wouldn't have cared all that much. But to be honest with you, I don't really care that much that he stayed. I think it's good either way. Um, like you said, having a veteran guy there who knows the tricks, who's in his fourth year, um, it's good. It's fine. I'm, I'm not super, uh, moved one way or the other, but I don't think it's a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. When I said the biggest, I really meant more in terms of like the, the hype around his his decision to come back. I personally, personally, I don't think it's the biggest, but the, the physically biggest return on on this Ohio state team for next season is of course, uh, offensive tackle Dewan Jones. Uh, this is a guy still who, not the biggest. No, still well, not biggest, the biggest, biggest in, in terms opinion. of like literal, like physically the largest. Yeah, no, I know. I know. Um, but he he came to this is a guy who came to Ohio State as, as a project offensive lineman, super low three star recruit. He was in the thousands as a player in the 2019 class. They really just brought him in because of his raw size. He's currently listed at six foot eight, three sixty, just an absolute mountain of a man. Immediately was a fan favorite. He seems like a really good kid. Kid. He's fun. He's energetic. He makes a lot of jokes on Twitter and stuff. He seems like a good guy. Uh, and to his credit, he's developed into a, a really good offensive tackle. I, and I think that him coming back is pretty important because obviously you lost MPF. And I think that you know Ohio State's offensive line for next season is now more or less set. I think you're going to see Dewan Jones remain at left tackle. You'll see you know Paris Johnson Jr. slide from right guard to right tackle, which is his natural position. Uh, I think there'll be a battle at center between Luke Whippler and Harry Miller. That's coming back from his, you know, kind of season-ending injury. Uh, Donovan Jackson, another five-star, one of the guard spots. And then, you know, super sub Matt Jones, I think, will finally get his chance to start at the other guard spot. So I think that, you know, with, with Fry in the mix, I think you'll see Ohio State go back to a more traditional offensive line with two tackles, two guards, and a center, which I think will do very good things for the run game and hopefully hold up as good as it did last season in the passing game. But I think that, you know, Dewan Jones coming back is important. I think he's a guy that, you know, has has come from the ashes and kind of made himself into a potential NFL prospect and with another good year on his belt, who knows where he could go in next year's draft. So I'm glad he returned. I'm happy to see him out there. Like I said, just, just a huge dude, fan favorite, and I think it's good to have him back for another year. All right, pop quiz. Uh, first off, Pro Football Focus is generally a joke, and I don't put a lot of stock into their ratings. Um, but who was number one in Ohio State's offensive grades for 2021? Is is this a trick question? Is it Dewan Jones because we're talking about him? No, it's who you think it is. Uh, offensive grade? Uh, probably Jackson, but then Jigba. He's number two. CJ Stroud is number one. So it's Stroud at a 91.9, JSN at 90.2. But coming in third is Dewan Jones at an 86.2. So he is the third highest rated offensive player on the team. Uh, Mayan Williams is actually number four at 85.9. Then Garrett Wilson, Travion Henderson, Matthew Jones, Paris Johnson Jr., Master Teague, and Luke Whippler. Chris Olave comes in at 11th. So a lot of those guys are back for Ohio State. Yeah, I I think Uh, generally, like generally PFF stuff like that is good, but they do do a lot of kind of clickbait articles. I think that, you know, obviously leaving Stroud off their top three quarterbacks for next season is a joke. And they... And putting Spencer Rattler, who had like seven touchdowns and four interceptions... 
uh, and then got benched for true. Get out of yeah, here, I mean, PFF. They, they know, and you too, Chris Collinsworth. They know who the biggest you know fan base is, who they're going to rile up. They know they'll get their clicks from Ohio State fans. I think that was very obviously done on purpose. Anybody that doesn't think C.J. Stroud is at least a top two quarterback coming into next year is, is <sighs> I, I think, very clearly doing it for clicks. But I think that you know the ratings and stuff are generally good. It's just that that stuff's really, really annoying. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, but I think it's I think Dewan Jones has proven himself to be a really important part of this offensive line, and I think that him coming back um, to kind of anchor that line along with with Jones and Paris Johnson Jr. and and Whipler and um, I guess you know Fryer. I I'm not sure who else is you know if they've got everything settled, but like. I think this is a really big deal to have some really talented, experienced guys ready to go for Fryer to or for Fry um, to kind of play with. He did a lot of creative things uh, at UCLA in terms of moving guys around, and I think when you actually have an offensive line that consists of legitimate guards and tackles, um, you can do that. That was one of my big issues with the offensive line this year with all of those tackles is that you didn't have real guards who were used to pulling, who were used to getting to the second level and making blocks on linebackers. Um, now that you can have really good guys in their natural positions, I think this is great. And having Dewan Jones there, he's proven that he is a, he's a badass. Um, so I, I do not think that this is something that people should overlook just because it's on the offensive line. Yeah. And, and to your point, like, you know, Fry does like to move these guys around. I think he'll have a bit of a tough time moving a guy like Jones around on that line because of his size, but I mentioned, well, but he's a tackle, so he doesn't have to, it's the guards who are normally the ones who are moving. So like, this is, this is fine. Like, I think this is great. That's true. And yeah, and I think that, you know, I think a guy like Donovan Jackson, obviously coming as a five-star recruit, I think he's going to be really, really good at Ohio state. I think he's going to have his potential to be an all American at some point in his career. So I'm excited to see I'm excited to see guards on the field for Ohio State. I think it'll help Trayvon Henderson out a lot. It'll help Mayan Williams out a lot. Uh, shout out Mayan Williams. I think he's you know I think you know he might he might be an afterthought after after Trayvon Henderson, but I think he's a really good back. But nonetheless, 100%. nonetheless, the actual most important returner for Ohio State yes. and the man we've all been waiting for is of course kicker Noah Ruggles, who I don't know if you know this, Matt. He scored the most points of any player in the Big Ten this past season with 134. Uh, Michigan's Jake Moody, their kicker was two with 125, and then Hassan Haskins was after him with 120, and then Henderson at number four. Um, he was money for as a kicker for Ohio State this past season. Having something like that that you can rely on is always important. He was tied for the second best percentage of all FBS kickers. Uh, he hit 20 of 21 of his field goals this year, a perfect four for four on kicks over 40 yards with a long of 46. He made the game winner against Utah in the Rose Bowl. He was a perfect 74-74 on extra points. And while he might not have, you know, the, the, the hype of guys like Harrison and Jones, I think it's I think it's a huge deal for Ohio State. We've seen the Buckeyes have kickers that have struggled in the past, and having an automatic leg like that is such a, a huge luxury, and I think he'll be a legitimate NFL prospect if he keeps it up next year. 100%. Like, the joke of hashtag college kickers is not a joke when you're on the other side of it. Like, remember how big of a deal it was that Alabama sucked at kicking like for years like that was a thing that like Nick Saban just never had a competent kicker then all of a sudden he was like shit I am tired of losing games because I don't have a field goal kicker and then all of a sudden they started never missing so it's a huge deal and I think having Noah Ruggles back I honestly I'm a little surprised but you know you mentioned the fact that he was four for four from beyond 40 yards that's probably why he's back because while he was 20 20 of 21 he didn't really have the opportunity to show what kind of leg that he has so if I had to guess it was to come back and show that he can hit longer 
kicks in game situations because there's only so much simulation you can do um you know on a practice field or in a in a in a combine situation or whatever on a pro day um so i think he's probably coming back get i mean hopefully he's i don't know if he's graduated or not already um i feel like he might have graduated before he came to ohio state from north carolina but either way like he's coming uh coming back and that's a huge um that's a huge safety blanket that ryan day has knowing that um he's got a guy who's pretty darn perfect you know i personally think that they should never kick field goals and never punt but that's just me but so if you're gonna do it might as well have the best you could possibly get yeah absolutely and you know to, to if in a, in a perfect world unfortunately for Noah ruggles ohio state won't have to kick any field goals over 40 yards but at the end of the day, you know, it's good to have their bring back all of their specialists. Bradley Robinson's returning for his his seventh season. They, he made a funny post about that. And Ohio State, you know, was joking around with him that usually people that stick around for their seventh year of college are doctors, not not long snappers. Uh, and that yeah, but he's getting his PhD. He's going to start he his PhD this season. Good for yeah, him. Yeah, so good for him. And then they'll have uh, Jesse Murko coming back to punt. He did a good job this year as well. So all the specialists for Ohio State coming back. And I think overall, Ohio State is is, is pretty happy with the returning talent they have on the roster on both sides of the ball. We know what the offenses we talked a lot about the defense and what these coaches could bring and then obviously having your specialist is a little bit of an underrated part of the game but also uh as equally important as the as the third phase of the, the football so you know overall i think there's a lot of a lot of good stuff for Ohio state this offseason a lot to be excited about you know it's the offseason isn't as long as it may appear you know we're already at the end of january by the time you know march and april roll around you got the nfl draft in the spring game so we're, we're not yeah. too far away already it, it goes pretty quick um and hopefully everything comes together for Ohio State next season and they get a, a better on-field product yeah, it, I was just setting up a tweet for 21 minutes for now uh, in terms of recording. It's 277 days until uh, Ohio State kicks off against Notre Dame. But in that 277 days, you're right, we've got the spring. We've got, um, well, first we've got, you know, the National Signing Day, which there might be some stuff happening for Ohio State then. Then you get into spring, then you get into the NFL draft, and then you're basically into summer workouts and other transfers that may or may not happen in or out. And then, you know, it's pretty much July and we're super excited about um, a bunch of hopefully a bunch of commits that'll be happening over the summer, which always happens at camps. And then you're into, uh, you know, you're into August when fall camp starts. So it's it, it seems like, oh, my God, 277 days is so long. How are we ever going to make it through then? But there's stuff to talk about and there's stuff to get excited about. So I am very much looking forward uh, to all of the hot stove stuff to uh, get into over the next few months here at Land Grant. Yes, sir. Uh, and Matt, is there anything else we, we want to discuss before we get out of here? Or are we, uh, are we, we wrapping up? Um, you know, we kind of talked maybe about looking at our predictions. Maybe we wait. You, you know, you guys can save that for next week after I put out the article uh, looking at what everybody predicted for the season and how they did. But either way, I'm, I'm good with uh, I'm good with either way. All right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing our preseason predictions. I definitely did not pick Oklahoma to win the national title. It's fake news. Don't read it. Uh, definitely didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> definitely did not. It's not in print, and I'm yes, not looking there, at it right now. There is now. no record of this at all. It cannot be proven by any way, shape, or form. Matt, thanks for coming on. Thanks for hopping in for Josh. Like I said, wishing Josh and his family the best while they deal with their own illnesses. I obviously coming off COVID stuff. It's not very fun. Uh, so everybody stay safe out there. Uh, we'll be back next week, like we said, with a little of that, uh, the 
going back on our preseason previews and, and stuff like that and whatever other Ohio State news breaks over the week, I'm sure that, the, you know, Ohio State always finds their way into the news. I'm sure there'll be stuff to talk about between, you know, football, the hoops team, and all that good stuff, recruiting and, and, and what have you. So... Uh, for Matt Tamanini, I'm Gene Ross. Be sure to you know like, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff that you do with all your podcasts. Be sure to check out our content over at LandGrantHoyland.com. And as always, go Bucks.